Welcome to Unfolding Words. I'm your host, Antracia, and I am so glad you are here today. Thank you to all of you who are listening, who give me feedback, and to those of you who have left reviews. I got the sweetest review from Hello Kimmy that said, I thoroughly enjoy this podcast. I always walk away with a fresh perspective and greater understanding of the word. That made my heart so happy because that is my aim with this podcast that as I unfold the word that you get a fresh perspective and a new and greater understanding. So appreciate that. Thank you so much. Today we are going to be camped out in the Psalms of Ascent. This summer I kind of got tripped up in the Psalms of Ascent specifically and thought that it would be neat to share my insights here in a mini-series. So I don't know how many episodes it's going to be. We'll see how far it takes us, but I'm going to be talking about the Psalms of Ascent. So the songs, the Psalms, they can be used interchangeably. So you'll hear me say Psalms or Songs of Ascent. Um, this term comes from the description that may, that may be in your Bible, it's in many Bibles, underneath the psalm title. So the Psalms of Ascent are also called the Song of Steps, Song of Degrees, or the Psalms of Ascent. And the title is given to each of the 15 psalms that fall in this category, from Psalms 120 to 134. And commentators believe that This name was given to this group of psalms because they were sung by the people of Israel as they made their ascent or their way up to that holy city, Jerusalem, to attend the three great festivals or feasts, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Weeks, and the Feast of Tabernacles. So people from outlying cities would make their way to Jerusalem for these great feasts. And they seem to be sung during pilgrimage, pilgrimages or journeys in general. So in the Jewish tradition, the Feast of Tabernacles was a time that commemorated Israel's wanderings in the wilderness. And so a lot of the themes of the Psalms of Ascent have this pilgrimage theme in mind or this wilderness theme. So it's fitting that they sang these Psalms. And these Psalms also mention foreign people a lot. So the Babylonian exile made the Jewish people foreigners because they were taken from their homeland and forced to live among a new culture and a new land. And so singing these songs would bring them back to their life in Jerusalem, their homeland. These were their home songs, songs that that would remind them of where they came from. So they were wandering without a permanent home, just like in the wilderness. And these songs all have a similar characteristic or a couple of characteristics that are similar. They're all very brief. They all have a key word that they're marked by, and they all have repetition. More than half of them have a cheerful tone to them, and all of them are hopeful. So they're sometimes called pilgrim songs. Four of them were written by King David, one by Solomon, and the rest of them are anonymous. So all these songs that I mentioned are tied to the trip to Jerusalem. And the Mishnah, which is the first major written collection 
of the Jewish oral traditions of the Israelites, also known as the oral Torah, drew a parallel between the 15 songs of ascents and the 15 steps that lead up to the temple. So the Mishnah didn't state whether these songs were sang as they went up the steps, but we do know that they were sung on the way. But that's a little interesting fun fact there. So the city of Jerusalem is the highlight of any pilgrimage to the Holy Land. Even those who go today, Jerusalem is the hot spot. And it's the one of the oldest cities in the world. So it has a lot of history. It's mentioned 806 times in the Bible. And it's also known by other names, such as the city of God, the joyful city, and the desired one. And in Hebrew, Jerusalem is often translated as the city of peace. And where it sits is on a high plateau. It sits 2,500 feet above sea level. And west of Jerusalem is the Mediterranean Sea. And east is the lowest point in the earth, which is the Dead Sea. So this explains why a lot of times if you're reading scripture, people will say that they're going up to Jerusalem because geographically it's situated higher than all of the surrounding areas. And in John 5, it says that Jesus went up to Jerusalem because that's exactly what he did. He went upwards. So this idea of going up to Jerusalem doesn't just refer to its location or its geography. Jerusalem was the site of the temple of God. This is a place where you went to God's presence and it is like you're making a spiritual ascent. Psalms 24 and 3 says, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord or who shall stand in his holy place? So it's that idea of going up to God's presence. The songs of ascents fall into five groups of three, and they also include Psalms 135 and 136 because they have similar themes. So the first four of these groups, Psalms 120 through 131, each have a situation of distress in them. This is why they're grouped together. And the second group emphasizes the Lord's power to keep his power to deliver, to build, and to give hope. And the third has the theme of security. The fourth group, Psalms 132 through 134, are all Psalms that mark an arrival. So we're going to see the Ark in Zion, fellowship in Zion, blessing in Zion. All of these phrases are used to mark an arrival. And so as we start this series, we're going to look at Psalms 123 which is a song about what our posture should be for our journey here. So a pilgrimage is a religious journey, and it's not an idea or a word that we use very much here in our Western world. We, we think of pilgrimages or pilgrims when we have Thanksgiving, mainly, when we remember the story of the pilgrims who left Europe and settled in Plymouth. But this is not what we're talking about. The idea of a pilgrimage is that you are walking in a way that is already marked out and you're making an upward journey. This is not about blazing your own trails to God, but about walking in the well-worn path of the faith of the saints 
who came before you. So as I mentioned, the Old Testament people of Israel in the times of the Psalms would have had three occasions to make this pilgrimage to Jerusalem. So people came from all of the outlying areas to attend these festivals. And it was a literal physical journey. They didn't have cars or bikes. They had to walk up to the city and they used marked roadways that were well-worn, well-worn paths that led up the mountain to the temple of Jerusalem. But this journey also marked an inward journey of the soul that was marked out by God to come to make this climb closer to the place where he dwelt. And so this pilgrim journey, it sort of played itself out over and over again in these annual traditions of the Israel festivals, which became a reminder to the people of God of their lifelong journey upward to the place where God dwells. And in a lot of ways, we're not very different. We have these annual celebrations that we um, commemorate every year that mark out our remembrances of God. We have Advent in December for those who celebrate Advent. We have Christmas, which celebrates the birth of Jesus. We have Good Friday, which helps us to remember the reason for our salvation and the work that Jesus accomplished on the cross. And we have Easter or Resurrection Day, which reminds us that Jesus is not dead. He is yet alive because he rose again. And we relive these stories over and over again in the church, in our everyday lives. And even though we're not making a literal physical journey like the people of Israel did back in biblical times to a holy site, we make sort of a spiritual pilgrimage as we remember these events. So we do things that help our soul and our hearts make the journey to God. We turn our minds upward to remember the work of Jesus Christ. So we don't focus on where we're going like those in Bible times may have done as they made this physical journey to the city of Jerusalem. Today, we have to focus on how are we going. So as we make our journey through this world, our spiritual journey through this world to the mountain of God where we, where we will one day be in his presence, we have to ask, how are we going? So we're going to look at Psalm 123 and the description over my Psalm in my Bible says, our eyes look to the Lord of our God, a song of a sense. And it reads, to you, I lift up my eyes. O you who are enthroned in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eye of a maidservant to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till he has mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, O Lord, have mercy upon us, for we have had more than enough of contempt. Our soul has had more than enough of the scorn of those who are at ease and of the contempt of the proud." So remember, I've mentioned the characteristics of these Psalms, distress and repetition. We see that here in Psalms 123. How are we to go on our journey? This Psalm answers it for us by being a servant. Now, in our modern world, the idea of being a servant is nothing that we are seeking to attain. 
most of us are not, that's not our goal in life is to be a servant. We think of servant as janitors or maybe people who serve us at restaurants. Like it's a position that may be beneath us, even though we wouldn't consciously say that. But a servant is the idea of being a follower of Jesus Christ. And we have to know that there's a freedom in understanding our identity as servants of Jesus Christ. So when we acknowledge Jesus Christ as our master, we put ourselves in the position of the servant, which means that our eyes are on him, our requests go to him, and our concerns go to him as well. There's a deference and a submission and a trust that are all expressed when we acknowledge that we are servants of Jesus Christ. Now, this concept is more readily available as being real to those who live in the East. In Eastern culture, servants who attend to their masters did so almost always by following signs. So that means that they had to pay close attention to their master, to the hands of their master, because their master would use hand signs to let them know what they wanted them to do. And so that's the same thing that we have to do. The servants of God should look to his directing hand, which is pointing out the work that he wants us to do. We have to look to his hand that supplies everything that we have need of. He gives us our portion in our due season. And we have to look to his hand of protection, which will always right the wrongs that are done against us. We have to also look to his correcting hand. We can't just expect God to bless us without correcting us. And we can also, with great joy and relief, look to his rewarding hand. God rewards those who diligently seek him. So in the Psalms, Israel is seen as waiting for God, that enthroned king in heaven who would act on their behalf. And this psalm that we're looking at, 123, opens with an individual voice addressing God. It then shifts into a group, into a corporate voice, which paints a picture of the people anticipating God's action. We see this in verse number two. Behold, as the eyes of the servants look to the hand of their master, so our eyes look to the Lord, our God, till he has mercy upon us. So the community is pleading for God's mercy and action in the face of all of the evil that they're receiving from the surrounding people. So this mirrors a lot of the life that we live in this world. We are surrounded by people who are scoffers, who condemn us our way of life, how then do we live? How are we supposed to act on this journey? We're surrounded by ridicule, those who are proud, complacent, arrogant. What do we do when we cannot take it anymore? When we feel fed up, when we feel like we can't live this life anymore? We have to keep our eye on God with expectancy to the one who sits on the heavenly throne. He is our source of endless resource, whether it's something that we need in the physical or something that we need him to tend to emotionally. God is the one that we look to. Slaves look to their masters for resources. We do the same. We look to the Lord who worked wonders for those in the Old Testament 
So it's a matter of us keeping our eyes on him and submitting to him until he does his work in his time. So the way that we go is with deference. It's with submission and it's with trust in our master, Jesus Christ. Just a little food for thought as we go through the Psalms of Ascent. So the first Psalm is letting us know that we are servants first and foremost, and we have a master that we look up to. We don't look to this world because the world will get us down every time. We have to continually look to Jesus Christ. So that's it for our first episode in this series. Thank you so much for joining me. I love to hear what part of the podcast resonated with you. You can always send me a message on Instagram at Unfolding Words or email me at antracia at unfoldingwords.com. Until next week, may God's word be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. God bless you.